What a week, right? It's been a week for our uh, neighborhood and our community. Some folks were asking me uh, right after 8.15, um, was this neighborhood hit hard just four blocks north of here? Our neighborhood was hit. The common question that you have probably answered all week from folks that are friends with you from out of town or even neighbors is this, are you okay? Is your house okay? Is your neighborhood all right? Were you home? We weren't home. A friend called uh, late on Sunday afternoon and offered us two tickets to the Cowboys game. And uh, the stars aligned, you know, the, the magical stars that have to align around childcare and transportation and all that. <laughs> Those stars magically aligned for us on Sunday afternoon. I preached over at Worship at Five. We got in the car and we drove out to the game. We didn't know anything uh, had happened until the beginning of the third quarter. Everybody in our section, their cell phones started going nuts. First, my parents and then our neighbors. Then it was um, our family friend who was home with our kids. Our kids were uh, asleep in their bedroom. Our uh, family friend said, the tornado sirens at the elementary school are going off. Uh, what do you want me to do? And we said, are we sure this isn't a test? I mean, we don't have tornadoes where we're from. And thank God she did what she did. She grabbed our kids and packed some pillows and everybody headed into a closet. It took us uh, 25 minutes to get from Arlington to the church. We had a car parked here that we had to pick up. It took us over an hour to get home. We live like a mile and a half. There's some of you uh, who are here today, and I see you. I'm so glad you're okay. You lost everything. Some of you didn't quite lose everything, but um, you still have trees on your garages and right through the middle of your living rooms. It's been a week. It's been a week. Let me say this. Uh, I don't think God plays weatherman. I don't. I don't think God causes earthquakes or tornadoes or hurricanes or uh, those freak storms like we had back in June. I do believe that we see the goodness of God made manifest through the goodness and the grace and the mercy when we come to care for, for one another in the aftermath, though. Uh, I planned this sermon series back in June. I picked this text back in June. I had a whole sermon outlined, and man, I thought it was going to be a good one. And you'll hear it one day. <laughs> And I pray as it, it's as good as I thought it was going to be. But I got a different sermon. I want to share with you uh, the five things that I learned this week. A thing that I learned every single day. 
as this community of faith sought to care for our neighbors in need. And there are five things that are lifted up in the text. I got to tell you, I, I saw this text in an entirely new way. This is what you should know before I read the text. Monday morning, um, the only way I could get to the church was by my bicycle. I tried for uh, two hours to get here. It took me forever. I just went home, got my bike, and it took me 12 minutes to get here on my bike. Three of us were here when I got here, and we all saw the same thing uh, trying to get here. Some of you, and the folks of you who live just in the neighborhood to the north, you saw, we all saw the same thing. Our neighbors walking the streets in shock. Folks, uh, we didn't really blink. We just sort of walked around like zombies assessing the damage. And we got here and we said, What's, what can we do? So we did the only thing we knew how to do. We're the church. We made coffee, you know. <laughs> Not good coffee, church coffee. There's a difference. <laughs> We made as much church coffee as we could, and we um, went right here to the food pantry where so many of you have faithfully donated for just weeks, and we, we took everything we could out of it. We put together uh, one water cooler, and we uh, went and broke into the shed where the holy rollers are, the golf carts, and we loaded one down. We just started driving the streets to meet people where they were. What started as sort of a, a caring ministry on Monday ballooned into um, a fleet of golf carts as of yesterday that we had 11 of them. They came from all over the city. It ballooned into a week where we served well over 5,000 meals via golf cart. <laughs> A week where we saw um, hundreds of people donate thousands of items, school supplies and bottles of water and sandwiches and granola bars. A week where we saw over 100 people at our church volunteer. Some of you finally learned in your life how to drive a golf cart. It was a beautiful thing. <laughs> And we drove the streets uh, that were decimated. Tibbs, Pemberton, Orchid, and North Haven, Baxtershire. Streets that we drive all the time. We saw power crews from um, Missouri and Florida and Georgia. North Carolina and South Carolina, my people, they had driven here. <laughs> and we fed them. They weren't taking breaks. We fed the tree crews that uh, weren't even going through their safety protocols. We fed the families that were literally trying to make sense of it all. We fed insurance adjusters. We fed the fire department and the police department who have been working round the clock. We fed the Texas state troopers that have been blocking streets for 24 hours at a time. We fed some of you. It was quite a week. And I learned some things. We all learned some things. 
and I want to share that with you. Uh, but first, we're going to read from the book of Exodus. And I'm going to remind us uh, of what's happening to the people who are in exile. And let me remind us that exile can be um, a physical state. It can be that you are moved from your home into a new land and you don't know where you are anymore. Exile can be an emotional state when you thought you knew who you were, when everything was going right in your life, to a new place where you don't know right side from up. Exile can be a spiritual state too. You know spiritual exile? Like when you felt like you knew what it meant to be in right relationship and something happens in your life, a diagnosis, the end of a marriage, the end of a relationship, and now it has you questioning everything. Oh, exile can be many things, but for the people, the Israelites, exile means all of that. We have to remember that the, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. Their identity was wrapped up in production and producing for the king. Moses, God called Moses, who was a murderer hanging out in Midian, who had a stutter. God called Moses to lead those slaves out of Egypt into the promised land. Moses has led them, but they haven't entered the promised land yet. They're stuck in exile. And they're asking questions like this. Who are we now? Where is home now? If we don't produce day after day after day, what is the meaning and purpose of our life? And they're asking the question like, who does God think we are now? So Moses, right before our text, goes up to Mount Sinai. God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. And God says to Moses, I'm going to ask you to ask my people to give. Because we're going to build a tabernacle so that you'll have some answers to all these questions. So you'll have some identity. So Moses brings the Ten Commandments down and he says to the people, God's asking you to build a tabernacle. And so I'm going to need you to give. Not me, but God. And listen to what happens next. Bez, Leal, and Oliab, and every skillful one to whom the Lord has given skill and understanding to know how to do any work in the, in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. Moses then called Bezliel and Oliab and every skillful one to whom the Lord had given skill, everyone whose heart was stirred to come and do the work. And they received from Moses all the free will offerings that the Israelites had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. And they still kept bringing him free will offerings every single morning. So that all the artisans who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task being performed, and they all said to Moses, Moses, the people are bringing 
much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command, and the word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Uh, No man or no woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for they had already brought more than enough to do all the work. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Remember, they were slaves. They were slaves in Egypt, and now they find themselves in exile, asking all of those questions. Um, And they were asked to give. I don't know about you, But I am not under the impression that those who were in bondage, those who were enslaved, had a lot of material possessions to give. In fact, we learn uh, in Exodus chapter 25 uh, that the items that they have been giving, the gold and the silver and uh, the thread that they are uh, weaving together to make the curtain, Curtains are literally coming off of their person. Uh, These are folks who are uh, literally taking the earrings out of their ears, the ones that their great-great-great-grandmother had passed down the line. They're taking the necklaces around their necks. They're taking the bracelets off of their arms, and they are walking them every single day and giving those as an offering. They are taking their extra set of clothes that are in the right color that has been asked for, And they're taking those clothes and they are donating them. These are a people who are clear about what they most value. What they most value is their relationship with Yahweh. And that relationship is the most important relationship to them. We give to the things and the people we value most. I learned that on Monday. I learned that we give to the things and the people we value most. And I learned it this way. When I was riding my bike, I saw a lot of neighborhood folks whose houses were not damaged literally pack up coolers and boxes and they were dragging supplies to their neighbors in need. They were giving what they most valued. The things that they thought that they needed had a higher purpose on Monday morning. This neighborhood was reminded of what we most value, and that is our sense of community, our sense of belonging to one another, not the things that we have accumulated. That's what I learned on Monday. I learned on Tuesday uh, that the tabernacle was never made to stay in one place. It's true, look it up. It was a tent that was made to travel and to follow the people of God. And I learned that our church was made to travel. Number two, what I learned on Tuesday, the tabernacle, the church is made to travel. The gym at St. Mark's School 
Some of you know this, some of you may not. Our church was started in a gym at St. Mark's School on folding chairs. The gym where this church was started is gone. The people who had given everything they had so that we could have this sanctuary, they would have been so proud to know that this sanctuary didn't just stay right here, but it went into the neighborhood. This tabernacle went into the community by golf cart to share the love of God with all of our neighbors and to meet them right where they were. What I learned on Wednesday is, just like the Israelites, we have more to give than we think we do. We have more to give than we think we do. The Israelites thought that they had given enough, but they kept showing up day after day after day to give more. So much that Moses had to tell them to stop. People started showing up to this church and they would bring carloads of supplies. Many of you have already been paying your pledge and you still showed up bringing more supplies. And the most interesting thing happened. You kept coming back. You had more to give than you thought you did. And so you kept showing up to give it. There was a golf cart that went out on Wednesday this week. And we loaded them down. I mean, we loaded them down with like 500 sandwiches. We loaded them down with a couple cases of water, Coca-Colas and candies, and they were gone for hours. And I thought that we were all on the same page. The goal was to give away all the sandwiches to those in need. So I was a little puzzled. When this golf cart came back, with more stuff than they left with. (laughs) So they pulled to the back of the youth house and I said, come here, can we have a talk just for a second? I wanna be clear that we're all on the same page about what we're here to do. I said, I thought that y'all were gonna give all your stuff away. And they looked at me and they said, oh, we did. And I said, well, that's funny because it's not abundantly clear uh, with the golf cart right now that that's true. And they said, no, 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 Uh, this is what happened. We gave all of our stuff away and people saw us in an empty golf cart. And so they started uh, flagging us down on the road. We'd pull over to the side of the road and these cars just started putting stuff on our golf carts. (laughs) We came back with more than we left with. We came back with more than we left with. Sounds like something the Israelites would have said to Moses. The fourth thing I learned was this. We all know this to be true. But it's in moments like this that it becomes real. People are place 
people, our place. The world tries to teach us that our place in this world, our place in society, even our place in the neighborhood is determined by what kind of cars we drive or what kind of house we have or all the toys. But truly, people and our relationships define our place. Ask any neighbor over on Pemberton right now what they most value. Not one of them that I encountered this week told me it was their homeowner's insurance policy. What they have said to me is, I am so grateful for my neighbors and I'm so grateful that we're okay. My neighbors were the first people to check on me. People determine our place. And this is what I learned on Friday. When we live out, when we live out of a place of radical generosity, when we live into God's abundance, when we look at our lives and see that we have more to give than we think we do, when we live that way, we will give more than has ever been asked of us and more than what the community knows what to do with. This is the fifth thing I learned. When we give out of God's abundance, we give more than could ever be needed. And I know this because on Friday, we started looking around going, we better tell people to stop bringing stuff. <laughs> we were running out of room. We didn't have a place for it. We had a lady on uh, Friday who literally from NCL, National Charity League, she brought 900 meals, full meals, in the back of her car. We began to say we have more than enough. I learned a lesson every day this week about this text. But this is the lesson that undergirds it all. This is the good news of the gospel, my dear friends. Preston Hollow Presbyterian stood ready to care for this community on Monday morning. We stood ready to care, not because of who we were last Sunday, or the Sunday before that, or the Sunday before that. We stood ready to care because it is in our DNA from the first days in St. Mark's Gymnasium that we are a community of faith that seeks to glorify God and to care for our neighbor and to live like we belong to one another. We were ready to stand and care for our neighborhood because of your generosity over the years. And the good news of the gospel is we learned this past week that when we move, when we move from generosity to radical generosity, we will move to a place where we will have so much we don't know what to do with. 
So imagine with me just for a minute, three weeks from now, I stand in the pulpit on Commit Sunday and I say, every person in this community has committed to the church, stop giving. (laughs) Raise your hand if you would love to hear me say those words. That's the invitation to faith. It's the invitation to this life. I'm gonna close the sermon by saying thank you. Thank you. The church is not a building. The church are the people of God being the hands and feet of Christ in the world. Thank you for being the church this week, for showing up, for caring, and for giving. It is such a privilege to be your pastor. Let us pray. God, thank you. Thank you for the gifts of this community and for this neighborhood. We are so thankful, oh God, that even in the midst of destruction, everyone is okay. Help us to move beyond this week and to ask how we can continue to care for those, oh God, who will be picking up the pieces of their lives and putting them back together for months and years to come. Help us to continue to be the church. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. So we have a special opportunity now. I'm going to invite Howard Parker up. And I'm going to invite Howard to come to the lectern. And Howard, do you want me to move one of these? The railing? You hold on to me, Howard. Please. Uh, Howard Parker, I've asked him um, to be our first commitment speaker and to share with us um, why he continues to give. And if you'll get a, give us a moment, we're going to get situated, and then I'm going to ask Howard a couple questions. You stole most of my response. <laughs> I guess I'll still help you up, Howard. <laughs> okay. Take up one more. Okay. Oh, you want me to pull? Okay. Well, here I am. (laughs) (laughs) I love Howard. We go way back. So, Howard, um, how long have you been a member of this community? Since December of 55. Really? Yes. 55 what? 1955? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were introduced to this small congregation as Mr. and Mrs. Howard Parker. Not as Rosalind Howard, but Mr. and Mrs. Very but, formal. That's right. Very formal. And Rosalind was the light of your life, wasn't she? Absolutely. And she, you probably should have been introduced as Mrs. and Mr. Rosalind. Okay. Parker. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a College of Elders event. That is a, a night that we gather for dinner. 
for all of those who have been ordained to the office of elder here at the church. And at that dinner, Howard, uh, we recognized you as the oldest living elder at that dinner. How long have you been ordained? Oh, since uh, by year, I don't know. I remember, remember by minister. Oh, really? Who was the minister? That was a... Uh, <laughs> well, this is 90. See, this is being 90. Uh, who came after... Uh, Blair? Manny. Me. I came Manny. after Blair. Howard. Yeah, uh, right after Manny, we had... Uh, Jerry Shetler. No, before... Harry Moffat. Harry, 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 Harry. And then, and then I was, uh, then I served, and then I served, worked with uh, Jerry as well. How old are you, Howard? Ninety. And you have been committed to the church for ninety years? No, since fifty-five. <laughs> Here's my question, I'm Howard: Aren't you tired anymore. of committing to the church after? that long? Tired? No. Why do you still give to the church? Why are you still committed? Well, okay, an example this week. As I say, you've already stolen it. Uh, <laughs> really, we're living out our mission statement. We did all, all this week and, and longer than that. I mean, how could I have ever been a part of our mission work in Malawi if I had not been a member of this church and supporting the church. I never could have been. Now, now I can make boxes real well at North Texas Food Bank. I do that real well with my Rotary Club. But I'm in the way of many things that happened this week, this past week. And I'm, but I'm grateful. I feel like I was there. You were there. Howard, I want to thank you for being committed to this church since 1955. And I want to thank all of you who, like Howard, have gone before us so that this church could stand in a place to give. This uh, commitment season, we're asking folks to make Preston Hollow their number one giving priority. And I would suspect, uh, like you and Howard and me, we are asked to give all the time to a myriad of things. But Sarah Ruffner and I uh, make it our decision to make Preston Hollow our number one giving priority because we believe like Howard that our gift to this church is not just a gift. God takes that gift and transforms it into ministry far beyond the walls. So we ask if you would join us. Will y'all help me thank Howard for picking on me? You want to get down there?